Welcome to the first ever episode of 115 Miles. In this episode, me and Haz break down how we know each other, what our lives look like today and why we've started this podcast. We then get into our first set of difficult subjects looking at racism, bullying and some things in between. We hope you enjoy this and we look forward to it being the first of many episodes. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of 115 Miles with me, Josh Connolly, and my good friend, Hassan Kaya. How you doing? How are you, my friend? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm good. I feel good. I feel good this week. Like last week, definitely going in waves. I definitely kind of um, recognised that people were kind of up and down. But, you know, this is going to be the new normal for a while. It helps that the sun's out, so I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good this week. How about you? Good, good, yeah, good. And I can see the sun coming in through the window next to you. Yeah. Uh, similar to you, to be honest. And look, we've talked about doing this podcast for such a long time. And I think if we're going to look at one of the positives that we can talk about already is the fact that we've been forced now into a position where we have to do this, right? Where we've got no excuses. Uh, so, like, on that kind of thread, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment, trying to look at the things that I can do, yeah? Uh, I work as a, as a, out there in the world, I work as a coach, uh, a resilience coach. So I'm working with organizations and I've had to adapt and I'm going online. And has it been a similar thing for you? Are you now, are you taking things online or is it a case of no work whatsoever? Yeah, no, no, definitely. Like, you know, um, things, you know, coaching, it was already, uh, you know, a possibility. And I did a, a fair bit of that, um, you know, online. But moving workshop format uh, has been uh, an experience, you know, but it's all doable. And I think the things that I'm hearing from people like friends who are in HR positions and stuff like that or, or run kind of people teams and organizations is, you know, the resistance that, you know, organizations used to give before around why they couldn't go and do remote working. It's all gone out the window. I was talking to my neighbor yesterday who's quite senior in, um, in, in the NHS and she said, that, you know, getting stuff through in the NHS would take years, absolute years to kind of try a new technology. And they talked about a new technology, uh, it, you know, had it up and running in four days, tested it out and it's, it's going, you know? And so I think a lot of people are finding it refreshing and not to, you know, not to kind of say that this is a situation that anyone would want to be in, but like, I think that the resilience is a powerful word right now because it's like, well, you know, what's the choice? Um, so yeah, we, we're finding new ways. I'm, you know, I'm having my first zoom beer this week with a mate. So, you know, that'd be an interesting concept. Um, I don't know how you can catch banter. I mean, I guess, you know, you can catch banter. It's just a, a different kind of uh, way to do it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And, and that's what people are doing, right? The, the, I think like real leaders now at the moment are, are, are doing that, right? They're adapting, they're adjusting, they're moving away from this kind of judging what each other are doing and actually are starting to think about the things that we can do in order to be able to adapt right yeah because the by the way the the normal is not just going to change for for a little while i think the normal is going to change forever now 
right? Because this this is going to impact people so much. I think n normal will change. And, you know, loads of people go in and working at home, for example. I know lots of people have been worried about having things going on in the background and what their setting looks like when their camera's set up, right? And all things like that that we used to kind of nitpick over now are actually becoming irrelevant. People are like, it doesn't matter. Like, let's set up calls. Let's do what we need to do in order to get the job done, Definitely. right? Uh, and so people, what, what really matters, I think is coming to the forefront now, which is, which yeah. is a good thing. Uh, did you, did you see that? Um, there's, there's obviously loads of memes and videos and stuff going around, but there's one of, um, a bunch of people that are on, uh, uh, video conference together, right? Which is a new, which is a normal thing at the moment, but one of the people was sitting on the toilet and he, 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 he forgot that he had this video on so he probably thought it was on audio anyway but it was like literally on the toilet but like the camera was like right in front of him and i was just i was thinking you know what you know like before when you're not particularly used to like conference calls and video mm -hmm. you might make a mistake like that you might go do you know what you can forgive that right because it might happen because you're not used to it the whole world is on like video calls right now so yeah. like you, you can't make those sorts of errors. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just so... Think, yeah, it's you know. madness. It's madness. Right, before we before we dive into too much yeah. where we are now, because I want to come back to some of that stuff. I want to come back to the way that people are reacting. So I think it's a really good talking point at the moment. I think we should just start um, by telling people the reasoning, firstly, the reasoning behind why we're doing this podcast and why we're really keen and passionate about doing it. And then secondly, I think from there, we'll move on to how we became friends cool. yeah and yeah. how we reached uh where we were so uh, for me one of the main reasons why i've wanted to do this podcast uh particularly with you you know you've become a close friend of mine in in recent years is a lot of the stuff that i do online and anyone knows the, st the stuff that i do online it can be very serious right it's very difficult to have a laugh and a joke around and i feel like i've lost that part of myself at least uh, out there in the world and the people that see me. And a lot of people feel like they know me in the way that I put content out. Um, but there's that missing link for me, that bantery side that you know, you know really well. Yeah, the sort of jovial, cheeky side of me. I've, I'm getting it out more and more, but I've always felt like a podcast like this would help me to do that. And then also, uh, I'm very opinionated on a lot of things. And I often don't feel like I get the opportunity to put that opinion out there in a space like this where you have a prolonged period of time to unpack things in, in, in that way. So that's my reasoning. I know you've got some as well. So why don't you tell everyone that's listening what, what they are? I think for the same reason, you know, like you, you, you know, having had a, a C like a relatively successful corporate career and then moving into like leadership coaching, there is definitely, um, a persona that you, uh, that you create, that you have to be, that people expect of you. And I, and I embrace it, you know, uh, who I am with them is who I am, but also there is another side to me, uh, as you know, and we often have a bit of a joke, um, uh, about all various things in the world. And I want, I want to be able to bring that. And I think now more than ever, it's important that you bring your, your entirety, you know, um, it's not always, uh, you know, it's not always appropriate to kind of do all the things that you want to do in all of the of the, the, the professional setting there is a role that you are playing for people when you're in that moment the other thing that the, the other reason i want to do is because being super vulnerable here 
you know, this kind of stuff is a growth edge for me, you know, um, podcasting, being in front of screen, you know, um, it's something I've always sort of shied away from. And, and people that probably know me well know that, um, that I, you know, I'm, I'm much better, I'm very confident in, you know, in certain settings, but this sort of stuff is, is you know, feels perform me to me. And that's not something that I've always kind of lent into. And then the final thing is that, you know, I really enjoy having conversations with you. I think we sometimes go from having a joke to um, something fairly serious in a very, very short space of time, but it's always fluid. And I think there's value to being able to kind of, um, you know, to, to kind of share that fluidity. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, that's why I'm really keen for us to just see what happens and, you know, and bring and, and bring our sort of perspective out a bit further than just to me and you just having a bit of a chat. Yeah, yeah, and see how far it goes. And I think that's one of the like important things in the in the way that we do. I think there's a lot of value in the conversations that we have, and I sometimes feel like they're wasted on me and you, if you know what I mean. Like sometimes we have these big conversations, and I think it'd be really good to engage other people in them. So that's yeah. kind of what I feel. We, like we have some pretty shit shit conversations as well. Let's 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 be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'd want to be sharing those. But hey, like you, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, everyone. That's that's yeah, what I say. I think we should bring all of them to the table. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because like but that's important that and I think we do have that ability. And I think more people do have the ability, by the way, when you're talking privately, there's something to be said actually for the world that we live in now, where sometimes you do feel a little bit frightened to explore certain opinions through fear of the call out culture, right? And being cancelled for it, right? So I do a lot of, you know, I feel like I do go uh, as far as I can towards the line sometimes, you know, often online. But there is always this part of me that thinks I can't, I can't explore this properly in a post, or even necessarily in a video, because I need somebody to come back at me and go, well, what about this? And then me yeah. go, okay, yeah, you're yeah. right. And, and maybe unpack something a little bit further. Because yeah. In today's day and age, it does feel like you always have the ability of being cancelled this afternoon if you're not yeah. careful. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and it's so intrinsically important to everything we're doing as well. Like whether we like it or not, you know, we have to be online. It has to be part of, you know, we have to have a social profile. We have to kind of, it, it's not, you know, it's not like it used to be where you could just kind of build a career and, and not have a social presence if you're kind of doing the kind of work that we're doing. Um, yeah. so listen, I mean, you know, I think we should probably talk about the name 115 miles, right? Like, yeah. um, uh, 115 miles is the distance between where you and I grew up as the crow flies yeah. and 115 miles is significant. And we'll talk a minute about how, like we, we came to know each other, but 115 miles is significant because we grew up in very different circumstances, very different lives. Yet there were some similarities, right? Yeah. If we probably poke it around a little bit, mm -hmm. right? But the key thing is that despite kind of growing up in very different circumstances, we found a path that we're walking down together as mates and we have so many shared perspectives why we get on so well. Mm. But maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if we'd have bumped into each other, we might not have been mates, you know? And so I think it's really important that, you know, doesn't matter where you 
are born, doesn't matter where you start, there's always a pathway that you can create. And, you know, if that's what you want to do. Um, and, and, you know, for various reasons, we've both had challenging upbringing, right? And so, you know, we, we are probably, you know, it's fair enough that we have a, you know, a perspective that you can be anything you want to be, right? And that's not to say that there aren't structures against people that, you know, that there isn't privilege. Of course, there's all that sort of stuff. But I think I feel really strongly um, that there is always a possibility. So this is about hope. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and on the flip side of that, and it is literally the flip side of what you've just spoke about, you've spoken about the kind of hope and the, the understanding that there is the ability for us to be able to achieve and, and do anything, you know, if we put our minds to it, etc. On the flip side of that, 10 years ago, when we would have met, we probably, like you say, to elaborate on the not liking each other, we would have judged each other really harshly, I would have made an assumption that you were a certain type of prick. I would have thought, right? That's what I would have thought, yeah? Uh, and I would have judged you in that way. And similarly, for, for different reasons, you would have you would have judged me in a, in a similar way. Definitely. And I think when you start to understand that and recognize when you move beyond that, and we've only moved beyond that because of how and why we met, but once you move beyond that, you start to have a bit more compassion for everybody and a knowing that there's a story behind the reason why somebody is like they are in any given situation. Yeah. Which kind of feeds into the world that we're seeing at the moment and, and the way that everyone's reacting. I, so I, I I think like there will be lots that emerges out of this current situation, right? Um, I think there's going to be an elastic band on some of the negative stuff, right? So when I mean, when, when we talk about elastic bands, right, we talk about like the, there's the tension, right, when you pull back on something, right? And then the, the, the the release goes further back the other way, right? So the tension, I think, will be obviously like commerce industry that's shut down, right? And so what's emerging is all this brilliant stuff, new ways of working and, and everything. And I think that's, that's absolutely right. But there is the side that really believes in kind of driving commerce and, you know, having, you know, long working long hours, all that sort of stuff that actually because they've been tightly wound the reverse on the elastic is going to be significant so whilst there's lots of people saying and i said this to a friend recently like hey, you know we're um how can you go back you know how can you go back to a nine to five and all that sort of stuff i get that but then there are people on the other side of that spectrum who are having the conversation saying well we're gonna have to kickstart the economy we're gonna have to do this so we're gonna have to do you know 20 hour shifts and all that sort of stuff just to get everything going again so there's going to be that elastic band effect um, but I think, um, you know, what I've been really humbled by and like really excited by is seeing what's emerged out of all of this darkness, right? Which is community, which is being together, which is I'm going to help my neighbor down the street. Um, I'm going to put myself in harm's way. And, you know, like, you know, if, if NHS, right, first line support crumbled the way that like, um, or went on lockdown the way that everyone else is feeling like they need to go on lockdown, we'd be in a much worse position. Now, there's nothing other than like this vocation thing that that's driving these people that are putting themselves on the front line. So I think, and then the fact that everyone's recognizing that is really powerful. So yeah, yeah. I hope that's like positive stuff emerges around community because we were going to a pretty dark place, man. Like, you know, if you think about what's going on, you know, in the States over here in terms of really veering towards kind of one particular uh, kind of political spectrum. Um, 
uh, it's good to see some of this stuff emerging. And by the way, I'm going to, you know, I think we've got to be able to represent all sides of like politics, you know, and, and yeah. not, you know, not just, I, I'm definitely more liberal and I'll, I'll, I'll claim it, but I think we've got to, in our work, in, in our conversations, we've got to make sure that we don't just become like one-sided. We've got to always try and understand the, you know, the other side's perspective. Yeah. And I think we're seeing some of that. And I think, uh, on the other side as well, we are seeing the polarization that's still happening in some ways. I've seen some people that I even um, respect online uh, who are, there's this judgment that's happening, right, from people that are like myself, right, who are, and this is to pick up on your point about the making sure that we listen and validate everyone. If you're judging somebody who's acting erratically at the moment, right, you, you, it doesn't make you any better just because you feel like you, the way that you're reacting is the right way. You're still judging somebody else. And I've seen a lot of that online. And I don't want to be uh, negative, especially when you've just put such a positive spin on it. But I think there is something to be said uh, in this kind of righteousness that I've seen coming out, right? And I, and, and I find it a little bit uh, frightening. And I think to a degree i have to kind of um make space to to understand that i can be very righteous in my own heavily left-sided uh you know i'm the compassionate guy doing everything right right so i'm not uh removing myself from this but there is this kind of everyone like i, I i'll say it. i went on linkedin last night and again this morning by the way and it was just video. Like, there were videos of people sat in their car just going, if you go out, you're a, you're a dickhead. And I was looking at it thinking, you're sat in your car. You're, you're, you're out. And then there were other videos where people would be like, they would spend two minutes at the beginning justifying why they were out. Like, I had to go out because I've got children and I had to go to the supermarket just to get food for my kids, right? Because if I didn't go then, then when would I would go? And I was disgusted at how many people were there. And I think, yeah, but you were there. And I get the mixed emotions because I went to the supermarket Sunday. I always go on a Sunday morning, right? There's mm. me justifying why I was there. Mm. But I got there and I thought when everyone was queuing up and waiting to go in, there was a part of me that thought, well, should I go home? But then what's the solution, right? Where do, when do I go back? Do I go back later in the afternoon when it's probably still going to be really busy, but now there'll be no food there? And so I went in. I went in because I've got children at home and I needed to get food for them. So that community spirit, I think, needs to spread a little bit more to us. And it's there if you look for it. And I think particularly last night, I clearly wasn't looking for it. And I and and, and it is easy, by the way, to go on social media. And if you're in that mood, you only you only pick up the negative. bad things. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. so what do you define as righteousness? I'm I'm curious. Righteousness is when um for me, what what I mean in, in the context of what I've just said is yeah. if I say to you, has you're a fucking idiot because you went to the shop last night. You're fucking risking lives, right? Da, da, da. And, and it's me sitting on my box being like, I didn't go to the shop last night, so you're a prick because you did, right? And then you go, Josh, but I went to the shop last night because my mum is in isolation. And if I don't go to the shop for her to get her medicine, then she might not get through this. And then all of a sudden, my righteous anger is like, fucking hell, I should have just taken a second to yeah. listen to you, right? Compassion for me is much better than being righteous, right? And by the way, 
having a big rant on on LinkedIn because you believe you're following what the Prime Minister's told you to follow and everyone else isn't, if they've not listened to him, I don't know why we think that they're going to listen to us on LinkedIn. Well, that, I don't know about that. That's the thing. So that's what I'm trying to understand because I think that righteousness is 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 sort of ranting as though you're the kind of um, authority. Authority, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas actually, if what you're trying to do is spread a message of, look, you know, this is this is this is serious, and no one seems to be paying attention to it. So let me use whatever platform I have possible in front of me to share it. The problem is, is the way it comes out is a bit ranty. It's a bit like, don't do this, you know, do, you know, like stay at home. And then at the same time, you've got like, you know, you've got kind of, you have to go out because you can't, you can't get now, you can't get like a, a shopping order for three weeks or four weeks. Mm, so yeah. what's the alternative? Um, I think we're all just trying to find our way through this as well, right? Like yeah, understand that 100%. actually we're all just trying to find our way. We're all a bit worried, we're all a bit scared. There's definitely, uh, you know, there are definitely, uh, you and I have talked about this, right? LinkedIn's just, I'm, I'm sort of not trying not to go too f- close to LinkedIn at the moment. It's just full of like, um, it, you know, it's just full of people trying to uh, like saturate it with like advice or do this or tips or here's my experience. And I get it, like, it, but I feel like some people just feel like they've just got to create and, and put out content because mm. that's what they have to do. And even I did. I thought about it, and I was talking to Ollie uh, on 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 um, our good mate Ollie um, on um, chat the other day, saying, "Oh, I feel like I should say something, you know, just because I, I do, but I can't find the right words." So then I just thought, "Well, I'm just not going. I'm not going to, you know, yeah, I'm just going to kind of wait until I'm ready to say something, uh, yeah. or, or want to, you know." And it, like on the fl- like, you know, on the other side of that. I think all the advice, I think people, when people are genuinely trying to put advice out and something that might be of value that's going to help people, I think that's great. I think that's actually better than um, the people that have been on there and kind of taking the piss out of the people that are doing that. Um, So, but this is, to kind of feed into everything that we've spoken about, this is why uh, I I always like having a conversation with you because you will always give me the other side rather than just be like, yeah, you're right, Josh, they're all dicks, right? You, you, you give me the other side. And what we normally do is come to a conclusion that actually the, the right answer lies somewhere in the middle. And it's about what's right for any person in the particular moment. Yeah. And I do think we, we, we lose sight of that, but I do think that people are also starting to wake up to that too. People are starting to realize you see people now there's more content coming out or where people are starting to say, I don't know what's right, but look yeah. after each other, and, you know? And I guess, I guess the other thing is, you know, you know, it, this is the only space that you can communicate right now. You can't, you can't go and stand on speaker's corner in my part. You can't, you know, you can't jump up on a table in a pub and, you know, shout you know like you know right larry yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> you know like what you know whatever floats your boat right is that um, what you're missing the most is it oh, when mate you, i'm missing that friday missing, night yeah, we used to get yeah, on the, just, on yeah, the table just, yeah, and just, shout yeah, shouting it, shout, shout everyone on the on the on, on the dance floor <laughs> get out no uh, no, no i literally used to do that 10 years ago yeah i can imagine more on that another time i imagine right but um yeah, no, I think this is it. This is the communication platform. So I think it, also we've got a reserve judgment, I think, you know, and I understand that. But I think the best way that I do that is not to just, you know, 
jump down people's throats. It's just to take myself away from it. I realized yeah. that there were a couple of days last week where I just I felt really like I'm normally quite an optimistic, quite jovial person. I've got good spirits, right? People who know me will probably, I hope, will say that. But I was definitely feeling like I was feeling like really heavy, like a, uh, a couple of days. And then the next day, I had so much work on that I couldn't go anywhere near the news, mm. right? And that was amazing because I, I, I realized what was going on was I was just completely consuming what was going on there. And the reason I mentioned that is if there's something you're not enjoying at the moment, just, just take yourself away from it. Yeah. That's yeah. the easiest thing to do, right? So, you know, I actually really like LinkedIn generally. I'm, you know, I'm on it all the time, but I've just not been using it much. And, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to beat down on LinkedIn. It's just, um, that's, Kind of my normal primary platform yeah same as me same as me now so um anyway look i think when we come and do this again next week so much will have changed and yeah. you know it's just kind of changing on a, on a and it's a, this is why it's the best time to start the podcast because we've got so much to talk about and we're grounded yeah exactly, exactly. yeah exactly so we're um, doing it living it so we haven't really talked about um how we met right yeah. So I, I tell you what, let me start by the, the backstory to the point of where I got to you because and I'll and I'll summarize it relatively quickly. Uh, I, I had um, what had happened is I was still working as a transport manager in the factory that I had worked at all my life. And I just I just failed in getting a job in a prison. Actually, I wanted this job in a prison because I thought it was the only way out. I was very trapped in this job, had no qualifications. I was well paid and I didn't know how I was going to leave that well-paid job to do anything else. Um, and I was about to get this job in a prison and they'd given me a start date and everything. Um, and I went back to work in the January of that year and I got a I ordered my uniform and everything for this prison job. And then I got a letter saying that I couldn't work in there because of my, uh, my criminal, my previous record, right? Um, and I was absolutely devastated and I thought, I, I thought I was never getting out of the job that I lived in for uh, the, the job that I worked in. And I made a commitment said to uh, my wife, I said, I'm going to leave this job after a, like a two week period of being devastated. I said to my wife, I'm going to leave this job. Um, and I'm going to be working for myself and doing something that I love. And she was like, okay, what's that going to be? And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> but it's going to be helping people in some way. And I was already starting to speak publicly a little bit through Nakoa, the charity that I was working with. Um, and so I just made a commitment that that's, that's what was going to happen. And it got to like February, March. I just spoke at a big conference. I'd done some stuff for ITV and I got a message on Facebook from somebody in Australia who said, uh, I think you're my cousin. And I was like, okay. And they was like, look, I've got a brother in the UK. Uh, he's got the same surname as you. And he says he's your cousin. Anyway, Cut that bit short, I ended up speaking to him the next day. It turns out he is my cousin. His dad was my dad's brother. I went and met him very quickly after that. Um, he said that he'd seen me on ITV and that's where the link had come and that's how he'd realized I was his cousin. And he asked me what I was doing with work and I explained, you know, I'm going to leave and I don't know what for. And he said, I know this guy, Hass, who's a who's a coach. I didn't know what a coach even was, by the way. I'd never heard of it. Um uh, and he said, uh, I'll speak to him, see if he'll speak to you. And you kindly said you'd give me, you heard a bit about my story and said you'd give me a couple of hours in London. And then before I knew it, I met up with you in London and we spent about four or five hours together. And I'll let, I'll let you pick it up. 
Yeah, well, okay, so it's good. Like, I was sceptical about, like, a long-lost cousin. I'll be really honest. Like, of course you were. Because your cousin's my mate, and, you know, I'm, I'm looking out for him, and suddenly someone turns up and, like, is amazing. Like, honestly, he was like, oh, you know, Josh is amazing, da-da-da. He's so inspirational, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, cool. I like, genuinely, I was like, okay, that's great. And and he properly drank the Kool-Aid, you know, and uh, and I was like, <laughs> mm, all right, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. So he said, like, oh, can you, can you, uh, it's funny, I didn't even agree to two hours. I agreed to an hour, right? <laughs> and, and I went, yeah, I'll give him an hour. And then we met and I was like, yeah. And then we spent, like, several hours together and I was like I'm in like I I want yeah I I want I want to like hang out with you like understand a bit more about you and when was that that was like I can't remember it was in like May in 2017 or 18 yeah yeah And, and I think you know um I don't I don't like inflating your ego or anything right but um I just, I just realized in that moment that there was something very special about you as a, as mm. a, as a human being. And I also recognized that, um, my experience would be beneficial as well. Right. So combining kind of what you've got to give in the world with a little bit of, uh, uh, kind of experience that I've had in the world and just, just helping you find your, your, your way. But, you know, it was just the thing I, uh, the analogy I give, uh, when you find somebody that just needs a, a little bit of support is, you know, when you get into like a rowboat, like and you're, you're on the edge of the shore, right? And yeah. everyone's in the rowboat ready to go, but you're sort of grounded a little bit, aren't you? Because it's too shallow. And then somebody just gives you a little push, right? A tiny little bit of a push. And then you're like, you're off and away. And I felt like actually that's all you needed was just a little bit of a, okay, focus this, do that. And then off you go. And it's amazing to see like what you've been doing and what you continue to do, like, the way that you impact people is amazing, man. It's just really incredible. Um, but that's it. That's the most I'm going to give you. The rest I'm just going to just continue to take the piss out of you and just keep you very grounded. That's, <laughs> oh, that is now my that. mission. That's my mission in life is just to keep you really grounded. Um, which you do, by the way, which you do. And like basically from that meeting, I went on and did some training for, for coaching uh, within a, about a month, I think I'd set up a website and then I left my job about a month after that. And I left my job because I ran out of uh, paid holiday leave. And I remember saying to you, has I got no holiday left? And you was like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I can survive for maybe a month <laughs> if I leave. And I was like, I'm going to leave. And I left. And, you know, from there, I lived a lot out of my comfort zone. And it's, I don't want to get into a, like just stroking each other here, but like it was because of you that I was able to do it because, you know, the first ever workshop that I ever went to was one that I delivered uh, at a global company. Um, and to have you there, I mean, especially at the beginning and still to some degree now, I'm always ringing you like, Has, what does this mean? I had no idea about anything. I, I literally had no idea about anything. I was going almost blind. I'm thinking I'm just going to try it and I'll do it. And, you know, I jumped in and to have got to the position where I'm in now, I couldn't already, I couldn't have dreamed of being in this position, but the calls that I have with you and like when stuff comes through and I think I've got no idea what that means. And I just renew, uh, or I send you a message and I'm like, mate, I've got, I don't know what to do. Even down to the point of you spoke about Ollie earlier. And I remember when you was like, Oh, I'll intro you to this guy, Ollie. And 
this is how uh, closed off I was. This is how naive I was. He was like me, Ollie. He's in his 20s. He's just started his own business. And the only thing that, like, I didn't know. I went to meet him in London and I had no idea what I was about to meet. The only people I'd ever seen in their 20s that had a business in London, and I mean this, were people off The Apprentice. And I thought, I'm going to go and meet someone off The Apprentice, right? And I remember I saw... He could be on The Apprentice, couldn't he, to be honest? (laughs) (laughs) He'd be perfect for what turned up was somebody (laughs) off The Apprentice. (laughs) No, no, but, 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 but... When he turned up and he was like a normal young lad yeah. with a bit of banter, yeah, I, I was amazed. I didn't because I was, you know, and I'm so I've been learning on the game, not on the job, like that. And to have you like mentoring me through it uh, has been has been why I've been able to achieve the things that I have. So, thank you for that, man. And, and you know, it's just it it's just it's just fun. You know, I, I think what's really nice is when you kind of. You know, you make really good mates when you're younger and, mm. you know, uh, I find it like more difficult to to make really, really amazing friends that you really connect with, like, you know, at a really, really deep level. And I think we've just been lucky. Right. Um, but we took we touched upon the fact that 10, 15 years ago. We would have thought each other were, were prick. I think it probably was, is deeper than that. Let's just talk about it. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. the first thing you might have seen about me was my color. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, it would have been you. Yeah. And I realised that, but I think the first thing I would have seen about you was I, I would have I would have turned my nose up at you. I would have thought you were like, not that I was middle class, but like, you know, because I grew up in a single parent family, but, uh, you know, I was going to private school. I was on a scholarship. I would have seen you and I would have like, nah, that's scum. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't imagine the interaction of us passing in the street would have gone smoothly. Uh, is that fair? Yeah, I mean, if we'd have stopped and interacted, I don't think, like, I certainly wouldn't have hollered abuse at you just walking past me. Yeah. But if for some reason we... You might have done. Stage, uh, no, no, I wouldn't have done. I was never like, I mean, if you had an Oxford shirt on, I would have done. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not an Oxford shirt, let's just clarify, because an Oxford shirt is a good shirt, right? Like, you mean an Oxford, Oxford United football, United shirt. football yeah. shirt, exactly. Yeah. I mean, look, when I was... When we say 10 years ago, I'm nearly 33 now. So we're talking when I was like, let's say when I was in my late teens, early 20s. Yeah, let's call call it like 15 years ago, right? Yeah, I was a a thug. I'm not going to, and I mean that in a negative connotation, you know. Uh, I was very angry. I didn't like the world. I thought the world was against me. And I, I, I was easily... Uh, I had the ability to take on other people's ideals very easily. And I was wrapped up in football violence. And in football violence, there's an undertone of uh, not a very nice nationalism. Um, And so I was, I I fed into all of that. Uh, Underneath it all, I was a soft, sensitive person, the same person I am today. But the anger and the hate that I had for the world... I often released through the things that I did with there. And so um, I was very judgmental for sure. Um, and I had some warped ideals of the world. There's no doubt about that. And that made me view people in certain lights that were horrendous now. And that, by the way, I absolutely do a lot to advocate against now, right? Yeah. And I get, you know, there's a yeah. big conversation to be had there in some of the work yeah. that I do around that stuff. Yeah. 
I mean, I think the, I think you know the point of this is it, it is to show that actually, you know, despite you know living in that situation for so many years and being part of that community and and you know um, having to kind of be part of it, but it was quite natural at the time. So it was not like you were putting it on. It was just it felt natural. Yeah. It felt like the right thing to do at the time. Yeah. But to kind of emerge out of that and uh, and be able to kind of do what we do now together as mates, I think is 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 amazing, right? It's like yeah. really, it, it, it's a story in itself. But also, it's not that it's a it's something that can get recreated in every situation everywhere. But there are definitely things that we can take out that might be useful or transferable for um, for others around us. Absolutely, and I think because of the way in which we met. Right. So you would have known very quickly on from my story, the type of man that I used to be. Right. Um, and you still have done everything that you've done for me. Right. And you've done that through compassion and through seeing that I am who I am today and I shouldn't be judged necessarily on who I used to be. And there's a lot to be said for what I've learned from you underneath all of that through who you are as a person yeah and the compassion that you've shown me in spite of all of that because it would have been very easy to be like what you used to be that guy what the fuck am i helping you for mate you made your bed you lay in it right which is which would be the view of a lot of people um and i can even feel an uncomfortableness inside me now as we talk about it because i'm you know feel so ashamed of how i was yeah and I do think sometimes when you see me in some of the the content that I put out that really, really goes harshly against anything that's even remotely like what I used to be, it is driven often by that that part of myself that feels so ashamed of that. Does that make sense? Definitely. I, I, I think that there's, there's the shame that you feel, but also it, it, the equation is that it... it uh, it turns to conviction for your message now, right? Yeah. So it's about, you know, it was so, it was it was something that you're not proud of, but it was what it was, but it forms the, the, the message that you want to give right now. And I think that there's some truth to that for me. It's different, right? But when I was younger, um, I, uh, I was quite overweight, like when I was in my teens. And I think, um, and at school, I fell behind quite quickly um because uh it was you know it was it was fast paced and uh it was kind of private education and i came from uh, uh, uh my mum wanted the best for me but i don't think she really fully understood how to create the right um infrastructure to support my development so i fell behind quite quickly and i sort of for me i realized now as i've done some work you know i just thought i wasn't smart enough to be at that school right i came from tottenham not smart enough and so um, I sort of, I didn't excel academically. And so I, I very quickly started to think, well, I'm not good enough, right? And then when you're not good enough and you're not, you, you can't kind of win by being, I wasn't an athlete, because normally if you're not academically smart in those places, you're the athlete and then you can, you know, you kind of, you, you. so the way that I found my spot was being a bit of a joker, was I, I was quite um, um, quick-tongued so I could just, I could lash out. And so I would, I, I, I inadvertently, because I was trying to be popular, um, I was mean. Yeah. 
yeah, I, was yeah. mi- I was mean to people and and it was a defense mechanism I, I sort of realized that now but the, the the mean words turned into like I was like where I because I was kind of bigger I would pick on like uh smaller uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like kids and 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 I'd use physicality sometimes right and I didn't even realize that like at the time that it was bad you know and then I sort of came out of that environment and I felt like like I found who I was and I started to like be the world in my true authentic self and then years later through a kind of an experience where somebody was friends with someone I went to school with they basically said oh that they said you used to bully them and it was like I'd, I'd so far left that space like I'd buried yeah. it yeah, yeah and it's bothered me ever since it's really like I'm really ashamed of that period when I was like that because it's so different to who I am now yeah but yeah. I also realized that I can't do anything about the past anymore mm. like it, it I would love to kind of speak to the people that you know that maybe were affected uh by that and that I affected and I'm really really you know genuinely remorseful about it but also it's about what I can do with it now and that's kind of what I've adopted right yeah, yeah. Socrates um uh, the 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 ancient Greek philosopher um said the se- uh, the secret of change is not on fighting the old but on creating the new yeah right? wow yeah and so it's about what can I do I can't change the past I can't you know I can't do anything with my regret but I can do something positively I can I can really try and nurture my children, my three kids kind of um, think about people in the right way, which is what I try and do. I mean, that's a challenge, right? Especially with this uh, uh, homeschooling stuff, right? But, you know, like, that's, that's like, I think we can, there is a place for feeling regret and remorse for your actions from the past, but it's way more powerful to kind of do something with it in your present and your future. Yeah, and, and there's a few things I picked out. Like, I sensed how... Uh, uncomfortable you felt in the midst of that bit when you're talking about the the bullying yeah the, yeah. yeah even I don't want yeah. to call it that because I know you're not oh, bully no, no. right yeah. but yeah. you know the couple of things that I pick out is one that you know even sometimes the person that's doing not the crime but you know doing the act of making yeah. somebody feel like they've been bullied yeah is not necessarily a bad person right they're going through something and yeah. I've always thought this a lot about, uh, and I do a lot of work with schools, about what, what, what do the schools do in order to try and help the bully, right? Because what's the bully going through that's made them be like that? And all you ever really see when you see the conversations around bullying, and I don't want to devalue anyone's experiences, but, but, but it's all about shaming the bully and beating the bully and all of that kind of stuff. And... I don't feel like you needed shaming. I don't feel like you're the type of person that would have needed shaming. You needed help and support to be able to come back to your authentic self, right? To be able to come back to who you really are because that you were acting on something that wasn't um, authentic in that moment. Um, I, I, I agree. And I sort of, if I look back in hindsight, I realized what I was doing, I was using, because I, di- I didn't take on, the bigger, like the bigger kids, you know, like, yeah, of course, you but know, that's what, so, but that's, what, yeah. that's what it is. That's, that's what it is. Works. I think the, the thing I, I've, I've been able to reflect on and recognize was that the environment made me feel a real shadow of myself. 
And that was the only way I felt like I could be part of it. Wow. Was that, you know, like, and I think, you know, I even think, how would they even know? Because I'm, I'm, I'm really private anyway, so I wouldn't have talked about it. I would, you know, so yeah. I, I would never have let anyone know that I was struggling. Yeah. Right? It was just, I was just like probably seen as the, you know, the lazy one who bunked off school and all that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. But there were a few teachers, I, I think back on it now, and there were a few teachers that really made sure I got through the system, yeah. right? One yeah, of them was yeah, yeah. my mate's dad, and... He, lots of other teachers had written me off, but he he kept kind of, you know, he kept trying to push me through. And he was firm. He was, like, tough, right? But, like, he just, he got me through the system. And I, yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful to him. But, um, yeah, but I definitely realise now that what happened very early on, pretty much probably from the first week, was mm. I felt out of my depth. So, yeah, but so you, you hear that, right? You You acted in a way that you're not proud of. You acted in a way that you regret now right and you acted in that way because you reacted to your environment and you felt that was in an environment that made you feel out of your depth right yeah. look yeah. at what's going on in society today look at how people are reacting to an environment that makes them feel out of their depth and it really does bring it back round to where we're at now when we are in an environment that we don't understand that puts us in that where we feel out of our depth, we do things that make us not proud of ourselves, right? That's why we gotta have compassion right now more than ever for, yeah. for each other. Because we're all in we're all in that environment that you were in in your school life. And who got you through it? Who got you through the system? The teachers that looked beyond your behavior and supported you in spite of where you behave in. They probably somewhere within them had an understanding that there's something driving this that goes beyond who has it. There is a worth, it is worth validating that on the flip side of what we're talking about with you, there are idiots in the world and there are people that are not very nice, right? Definitely, yeah. So I, I, I think it's really important. I always do this. I always highlight that point because I don't want to be like, anyone who's ever done anything wrong should be yeah. forgiven and yeah. they're just nice people yeah. reacting. But that's not always the case. Yeah. There are nasty people in the world, yeah. right? Yeah, but, exactly. But there are also a lot of nice people doing not very nice things because of the circumstance. Definitely. And I think, yeah, I think it is really important to, to, to state that, you know, this isn't about uh, making a victim out of every bully, right? It is just no. to understand that for some, it might be that there is a, there is a deeper underlying situation that's occurring, mm. right? We're, and you've done a lot of work in child yeah. trauma, right? So you know what you're talking about, right? Like this is yeah, something yeah. that you see frequently, right? It's not, the surface yeah. level that you can, you have to peel back sometimes. Yeah, but what we're having here as well is a is a is a is a non-judgmental, reflective conversation, right? And you don't often get the opportunity to do that on a society level, not just with the bullying thing. Let's bring it back to the race thing that we started about with me and you as well. Um, that's the same. That's the same similar situation that needs open conversation, right? You need to understand where is this hate and where is this kind of line of thinking coming from if we really want to stop it which should be what our end goal is but our end goal isn't to just call out all the bullies and all the people and all the racists right our end goal should be to prevent bullying and prevent any form of racism or bias right and so the way that sometimes we need to do that is we need to really invite difficult conversations around not just those two things they're two examples but 
the really difficult conversations where it's not jump and call someone out straight away. It's hang on a minute, where the hell is this coming from? Because you take the racism thing another step further. If you want to tackle, really start to tackle unconscious bias um, or semi-conscious bias, which I believe is one of the main issues that we're seeing, you have to then ask and allow people from all sides of the spectrum, yeah, to be able to reflect on their own bias and they need to be able to come out with that bias and then be able to work on it. Does that make sense? Because yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I've, I've had to work on my own bias because two or three years ago when I was really thought like I was tackling the racism conversation based on my own history, I had a couple of moments where I realized, hang on a minute, I need to get off my soapbox and work on myself here because despite not being, despite very consciously not wanting to be racist, I wasn't um, having the courage and the strength to look at my own internal bias, both semi-conscious and unconscious. And I couldn't stand on a soapbox unless I was having, unless I had the strength to really, really tackle that part of myself. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, it's we've often talked about it, particularly because we both have, you know, a shared love of, football and uh you know the the challenge that players are, are facing on the field is it's never going to get fixed if it's up to them to like walk off the walk off the pitch or uh or like not react in the moment or you know like because the structures that enable it are unwilling to have the conversation right exactly so the structures are unwilling. So, you know, the disproportion of, say, Sturridge getting his ban uh, for gambling versus, um, you know, what a, a club will get, you know, fined for clear, demonstrable racism within mm. their stadium by their fans. You know, mm. if they don't take it seriously, it's like saying, well, you know, we actually we don't care, you know, so yeah. therefore... And and that's the and and that's one of the big issues as well is that that real like monstrous racism that you see that's really outward very clear very obvious is a huge problem and it needs banning and throwing out and on top of that we need to have a conversation about the racism that's going on behind all of that the lack of black football managers for example the huge lack of black football managers right nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about the underlying racism that still goes on within our country, right? That that bias where people make that judgment on somebody based on the color of their skin and they don't even know they're doing it, right? And that's coming from some people like myself, even if I go back a couple of years, particularly who would really deplore racism and say it's disgusting, we need to kick it out, we need to do everything we can to get rid of it, but wasn't even aware of my own bias that can be as small as handshaking all the white people in the room, but then assuming that a black man wants a fist pump, right? That's still making a judgment, right? Based on somebody's color of their skin. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? And and it can be as small as that. And, and, and I think that's the stuff that's, that real unconscious underlying stuff that goes on, where it's like, uh, you know, the stuff that happened with Prince William. Is it Prince William? Harry. Harry. Prince Harry, yeah? Uh, I, the, the, I did a big post on the time at the time on LinkedIn and it went kind of like semi-viral, but so many people on there were like, I don't see any racism here. There's no racist words being used. 
right? And they would not even entertain, not even have the conversation because there wasn't a big outlandish racist word within the context, then they, they just threw it out as it's not racism. And I think that's a huge problem. And we can all stand around and talk about a Chelsea fan that was being hugely, clearly quite racist in front of a camera. But let's have the conversation about that underlying race that goes on. Yeah. Um, hold on. Wait, sorry. Someone printing out stuff. Um, that's all right, mate. In these current times, yeah? You know, like, that's, that's my kids down there. So, um, um, all right. So listen, you know, the thing, the thing about, um, one of the things that, uh, Krish, my business partner says is, you know, structures are there to, uh, to kind of, they protect themselves. Right. And, um, the, uh, the thing is that, you know, people don't even often know that they're benefiting from the structures. Right. And that is a big and deep kind of challenge. Right. So, um, uh, look, I think this is something that we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to kind of dive into as a society, but, but until people really understand what's going on, um, they just won't know, they won't know to kind of get into the conversation. So it has to be like that we kind of get on with it ourselves, right? And yeah, we start pushing it and push and, it and yeah. challenge it in these ways. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why uh, I care so much about it in the in the way that I do is it's, it's all upon self-reflection rather than judgment, right? As somebody who's like recognized my own failings on that front. Um, and so like everything else, all my other failings in the world, I do try and think, right, what can, how can I use this failing now to put something positive into the world? Definitely. Definitely. Has, I think we've done, we've done a good amount of time for the first ever podcast. How, how do you, how do you feel it's gone? No, it's good. No, it's good. Apart from the, uh, the impromptu, uh, printer gate situation. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah. no, it's good. No, it's but good in to current, in current times, mate. I think that's very normal. Be agile, be, be agile. agile, be responsive. Yeah, yeah resilience yeah. is not just keep going no matter what resilience is yeah. the the ability to bend and distort while returning to our initial stance which is what you did so you're very resilient has cheers brother i think we'll 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 end it here and then we will hopefully look forward to this becoming a very regular thing and putting out content in this way look forward to it man um until next time be well be and, well uh... and we will speak very very soon Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kai.